Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GAR. My name is Lee Costello and I'm joined by my forever reliable friend, Niall McIntyre. How's it going, Niall? Good, Lee. Yeah, can't complain. That's good. And we're delighted to say that Jimmy Clark has come back onto the show, although he might not be in the best of form. Hopefully he'll still give us some interesting uh, insights. Jimmy, how are you? How are you, lads? How's things? Good, 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 Jimmy. One thing watching yesterday, and I know we're jumping straight to the end, kind of, but penalties and seeing an Armagh team setting up to take penalties and having a conversation with you, knowing your background in soccer before, would you have loved to have been there and taken one? Uh, obviously, you, you know, you look at, I suppose, looking at last year and the goal of a game and, you know, the irony of it happening again yesterday, you know, there's one side of you thinking, is this redemption? And then there's the other side of you thinking, hopefully not again and Unfortunately, it was the latter, and look, it was one of them things. But yeah, it would have been. I suppose it would have been nice to be to be on the pitch to, to hit one of them yesterday. No, absolutely, and I'd say that they would have been happy to see you as well. Um, it it felt for a good while, or in certain stages of the game, that it was going to be an Armas Armas day. Did you ever feel confident? Did you feel like this is it now? You know, we're really going to capture this. I did because there was times within the game I thought like. You know, even in the first half, I thought Derry were well on top, but Armagh were still in the game. Um, and then I suppose going into the second half and, and then again an extra time, that once Armagh got the extra time and went two points up, um, yeah, you know, I had a feeling that, that this was it. But again, you know, there's a bit of both. It's a bit of Derry's fight and, um, you know, determination to get back in it. I thought, thought they, were, they showed unbelievable courage. Um, to get those quick fire points, but yeah, again, I suppose it's you know there's things that that you could look at from an Armagh point of view that did they really did they really go for it and did they really turn the screw when you know when they could have mm. um, you know I think the chance was there to you know they put the foot down on Derry's neck and and they didn't do it. 
that that's something you thought about, Niall? You thought maybe there were times definitely Derry actually didn't play that well and Armagh could have pushed on a bit more? I suppose so, yeah. Um, especially with the strong wind that was there yeah. yesterday. Um, I know you, you kind of felt like this, especially like Jamie, when Army, when Armagh went two points up in extra time, I thought, you know, they've, they've done it and this was it. But... Um, yeah, I suppose it was just throughout the game, especially early on, like when they had the wind in the first half, I thought they were a little bit kind of tentative and I suppose that kind of did stay going kind of throughout the game because, um, I don't know, like you'd, I don't remember, t- like Reen O'Neill was the only one of their forwards that scored from play mm-hmm. and I don't even remember too many of the others having shots like um, yeah. the likes of, you know, Jason Duffy or Mernon, McCambridge, like Nugent when he came on, I don't remember any of them kind of coming close to scoring, and a kind of a, a kind of constant throughout the game was seeing um, Rory Grugan or Ethan Rafferty. They're just two that come to mind, like putting the hand up when they had the ball to kind of as if to just kind of slow the whole thing down. And um, like Stephen Campbell was was the between Stephen Campbell and Reno O'Neill, I thought they were the, the only kind of Armalas that really took it, as well mm-hmm. as Rafferty, I suppose that you know took on Derry when when they got the chance. So um, th- that was a little bit disappointing, you know, that they, when they had the wind especially, you might have expected yeah. more of that. Yeah, that, that is an interesting point about Rain. He was the only starting forward anyway that th- that didn't score, or that did score from play. Is there still maybe an over-reliance on him, Jamie? Like, I don't think so, because, you know, Armagh do have those players. If you look at Turbot in the first two games, like Mernon started to chip in, uh, Grugan, uh, Supi Campbell, but like even even the decision probably not to start Stefan yesterday I thought wasn't wasn't the best one because you know like in those big games you want your best players and your best shooters on the ball and you can see the impact he had going on because he was driving through and breaking lanes and you know with the power soup he has and the pace it's just very hard to stop and even if he's turned back there's two or three men gravitating towards him so there's a pass in the back door but um, yeah like you said. I think just Armad do have a lot of players that are putting in a lot of work around the middle. You know the likes of the, the your Jason Duffy's, but essentially when it when it comes to it, that's your the primary primary job of a forward is to score. And yeah, it might have been just an Achilles heel for Armad yesterday. Mm-hmm. Well, in the first half, it was sort of Rain O'Neill against Brendan Rogers, and then it went to Rain O'Neill against Shane McGuigan, who was just he's just outstanding now. I mean, you said on the podcast a few weeks ago that. Maybe he hadn't broke into that marquee for elite level yet in, because he hadn't had that one big breakthrough game like an Ulster final or an All-Ireland semi-final. Was yesterday that game? Jeez, it definitely was. Um, he was unbelievable, really, especially, I suppose. Um, maybe a little bit quieter in the first half. I know he got in for a fisted point and did well for that, but he was unbelievable in the second half, just coming... You know, you kind of know when he gets the ball and when he shapes up that this is going nowhere on the yeah. over the bar. And even when he hit one, the the one that ballooned into the sky, and I think the Armagh fans were cheering as if you know this has gone wide and it curled back in. And there, then towards into extra time, he was just he was all over the place. Like he's not just a, a finishing forward. Mm-hmm. He 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 scored one free, and then ten seconds later he was catching the kick out, and he yeah. was barely able to move when he caught it. Because um, you know he ran so far and he put so much into it, and um, you know, like he's not just he's not just a finisher; he's an unbelievable engine. He gets all over the field, and 
he left Everton out there, whether it was the five points from play, kicked some one unbelievable pressure free there, mm-hmm. and then to sc- kick the penalty, and it was the last kick of the, of the <laughs> whole day, so it was kind of fitting. It was just a heroic performance from him, and definitely a marquee forward, as they say. Yeah, he did it. He's he's, he's the main man now in Alza. He's um, he he sort of, his, his evolution is interesting because. Uh, he started out with racking up really high scores as this young forward for Derry and for Slack Neil. And now, I suppose Derry, maybe they'd have been Division 4, Division 3. So opposition, obviously, not as the quality, not as good. And then last year in particular, you've seen more of his like work rate, getting out involved in the middle of the play. But now he seems to have the best of both worlds. Um, after the game, Connor Glass said that he's the best forward in the country alongside David Clifford and Conor Callaghan. Is, would you agree with that, Jamie? Yeah, I think I think based on on form at the moment, like looking at yesterday, like to be honest, he was a joy to watch. Um, you know, as even as a left footer, like his left foot is just his technique's mm-hmm. unbelievable. And I think there's a back angle of the free kick when he's on the forty-five. Um, I think the way he leans back and strikes the ball, you just you can just tell he's just oozing with confidence at the moment. Um, but there was other things within the game that he was doing, whether it was. Within those tight spaces, he was winning primary possession. I think he won a free. It was the second half, and he had to hit it. He won. I think he turned. Was it James Morgan? He turned him, and he clipped his ankle. Like even those wee moments where he was winning mm-hmm. all those little battles, mm-hmm. you know, they were huge. It wasn't just the key scores, but he was popping up when it really, really mattered. And you know, it just seemed to be in that flow. And when you're in that natural flow and present under so much pressure, to be able to do that, it was just. Some of the point taken was was class, and yeah, I suppose you could put him alongside Clifford at the moment. Um, you know, he's a different type of player than Conor Callaghan, but you know that array of kicking and striking with the left foot is just so consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't expect him to miss, you, even, even though he still sends the ball away out. Like he, he has the confidence to actually put the ball so wide to come back in. Um, yeah, and. and to be honest, he was my man of the match yesterday. I know Brendan Rodgers got it, but mm-hmm. I just thought I thought he was he was superb. I know. Listen, and like I say, last season he was fantastic and a really key part of of Derry's success, getting that first Ulster title and all. But this year he seems to have pushed on even again, you know, and found a new level. Where, where do you think that is, Jimmy? Has there ever been a time, maybe, in your career where just you just felt like you've arrived in the sense that you know I belong at this level or, or a little bit more comfortable? Is that just with experience or or what is it? Yeah, I think it's just how the game plays. If like you're in a system, and it seems like Derry are in a system that's allowing him to excel and perform. You know whether it's getting the ball inside or coming out the field. He's obviously confident. You know his teammates are giving him the ball in certain positions. But like again, it's I think he's just in a flow. And you know once you hit that peak you know, in your career, you, you it does go up and down, and you have you know days off where you, where you don't perform, but. Like to show up in moments like that, that's what it's all about. And it just seems like he's he had always kind of, you know, foreseen that this is where he was meant to be and this was it's his stage. Um you know, he's I think he's only twenty six, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And he's yeah, like he's in his prime and yeah, he's like he's just one of those those footballers, I suppose there were so many changes to the modern day footballer. Um, and I suppose like they would lean more to the Conor Callan style where you're more powerful and direct where he still has that David Clifford cultural mm. you know that style and that elegance of, of 
of play that brings people out to watch him. So I think it's great to see players like that still around. Yeah, he's definitely got that bit of finesse that you're talking about. And then, you know, he's, he's not afraid to get stuck in either. And then you already made the point as his last kick with a penalty. Did you see him cramp up just after he scored it? Like literally, he had one thing left to do and he put everything into that and then the body shut down on him. Is that a man that's just everything on the pitch? Yeah, he'd done everything and he'd left everything out there. It was funny that he, he was kind of waiting to be carried off uh, <laughs> for a finish. But um, I suppose, yeah, he was between himself and Brendan Rodgers was, was obviously brilliant in the first half. He was a bit mm-hmm. quieter then in the second half and got the black card. But I think like himself, Brendan Rodgers and Conor Glass really stepped up for, for Derry yesterday. And I suppose, do you know, they had three lads, probably the three the four best players in the pitch were the three of them and, and Reen O'Neill. So mm-hmm. I suppose Amra um, maybe just didn't, Reen O'Neill didn't have the same backup that um, that McGuigan had, I'd say. And yeah. I'd say that was probably, um, you know, the main difference for a finish. But um, no, unbelievable from McGuigan, like from, from, from start to finish, really. Yeah, and like you mentioned Brandon Rogers there and what a great game he had, particularly in the first half. Uh, his goal sort of proved to be the difference in, in, in some ways. Um, it could have been an entirely different game if it hadn't went in. Very unusual, Jamie, uh, the manner of it. Um, Ethan Rafferty maybe at fault. Uh, is, is that Being in that position, is that because he's not a natural goalkeeper? But then he does love to run out and, you know, <laughs> to tear yeah. through boys too. I mean, have you ever seen anything like that goal? Like it, was, it was misread and I suppose the irony of it again is with Armagh got a lot of goals like that even last year and you know, throughout the championship was the high ball in and came from a mishit shot as well. But in fairness, in fairness to Rogers, he actually connected with it really well. Mm-hmm. Like he came from quite a height and actually caught it very flush, to be honest. Um, but I think even after the goal, Armagh still got back into it. I don't think it had an overly, it, it kind of maybe give Armagh a bit of a wake up call um, because we're back within, within a point pretty quick. But yeah, like, there's just other things within the game, you know, that, that would have frustrated me from an, from an Armagh point of view in that, you know, the game was there and it's nearly like the approach was to was to was to, to deal with Derry rather than impose Armagh's game because I personally think that Armagh do have, you know, a higher calibre of player when it comes to their forwards and just how they're being utilised you know, particularly yesterday, you know, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't play into their their hands, and you know, despite having chances, the cut, I just felt that the cut went and and squeezed and, and and really had a real go at it because essentially they're back to square one again. Anyhow, whatever happened, you know, they're into mm-hmm. the the all Ireland the, the the knockout group stage anyway. You know. So it, you you think it like it kind of was like a free hit, and if there was a time to just you know be brave and roll maybe roll the dice a little bit more, in that sense, you do you think they give Derry nearly too much respect? Uh, no, do you know what it is? I think I think that, that the Arma won it so much that they want the Ulster title and they wanted it so much yesterday that emotions probably still took over again, and um, with the crowds, the atmosphere, you know there was I suppose there was chances that were missed. You know I know Rory missed one. From the mark, Aidan Falker missed, you know, one close in as well. Like there was just chances. Charlie Og probably thought that, you know, that goal chance probably thought that the point would have won it, considering the game was so close, you know. But mm-hmm. 
you know, pre, prior to that, Arma had been burying the, those chances. They'd been going for the jugular. And yeah. it just seemed that, you know, they were slightly cautious of, you know, getting the balance of staying in the game and actually going and taking it, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, Charlie Oak point, because uh, it's, it's a conversation that comes up a lot, you know, with the fisted point and, and, and when, it, when it is the right option to take it. Well, what's your just your own opinion on fisted points? And are you a man for it yourself or do you always try to hit the jugular? Yeah, I suppose it's all re- it really depends on the angle you're coming in at. Like, if obviously, just you're coming in at a very tight angle. It's, you know, I think Brendan Rodgers had one yesterday to put Derry three points up, and he actually, he missed it. Mm, it's close, um, yeah. That's right, yeah. But yeah, like, when you're in a situation like that, he, like he, the way I would look at it is if Charlie Ogan puts the ball in the net, um, I win the Ulster title. Um, you know, on, I suppose with sport comes that pressure if you miss, you you have to take the the fact that you missed and you didn't put it over. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, what do you want to do? You know, no. like if it's your moment, what are you going to do? No, of course. And uh, now we had an interesting stat that we were talking about. Um, between the thirtieth minute and the seventy third minute, neither team managed to put two scores back to back. Now, off air, you said that's such an Ulstery thing. I'd like you to qualify those remarks. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> uh, just it was so tense, you know, and that every. As like every every time someone had the ball, if you made any mistake, losing possession is such a possession is so key that if you make any mistake to lose a ball, do you know, it could it could be a score down the other end and it usually is a score down the other end because it's so so tight and the tension is so high. And I suppose that's why you can see the pressure that's on every player. Do you know, they they might be a little bit risk averse at times because um the stake, the stakes are so high. Sorry, Neil. It was summed up by that uh, play in the corner. You remember the ball was on the line? Oh, Lord, the tension. <laughs> Nobody wanted to touch the ball because if it went out for a 45, yeah. Armagh could have you know, got a score out of it and won the game. So it was just, it kind of looked like the whole game stopped in time and the ball was in the line for, I think it was a good five seconds and it was just like, this the, is it, you know. The, it, yeah. the Derry lad, I think it was McCluskey or McGrogan, one of them, he was just in, it was like a lad, a rugby player kind of outside the scrum yeah. and he was there jackaling and he, he showed some kind of strength to stay up yeah. because he was under some pressure. Yeah, yeah no, that, 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 that moment nearly best typified the game, didn't it? Like just the, when you talk about the finest of margins, exactly. that ball going over the line and, and even the referee, I think he just threw it up in the end. He threw it up and, yeah. and blew it up then. And nice <laughs> then in, in extra time, I kind of thought that, I thought maybe Derry at the start would would take it just from the experience of last year and winning mm-hmm. extra time. But when you looked at Derry, you could see how tired they were in extra time. And throughout the game, Derry only brought on three subs. Yeah. Now, I know, I know they made six subs, but three of them were lads that they'd already brought off. Yeah. And Armagh had made, um, I think it was six subs. So I just thought Armagh would have the fresher fresher legs. And, and they and looked to like they did yeah. have the fresher With legs. With Stephen Campbell and stuff, coming, it really looked that way, didn't Yeah, it? and when yeah. they went two up, I thought, this is, this is it now. But I suppose, as Jamie said at the start, you have to hail Derry's kind of courage yeah. when, they were, when they looked beaten there at the finish. Well, this this might fall under another thing that you would have been disappointed with, Jimmy, in, in terms of the stats. Um, Derry were a man down for the start of extra time with Brendan Rodgers' black card, and Armagh only scored one point during that time with yeah. the extra man. You know, is that is that just another example of not pushing on? You know, when the game was there. Well, I, the, the credit to Derry as well, first and foremost, on that because I thought they managed that brilliantly. Now I know there's, I think. 
there could be an instance with the head injury that that was, uh. you know, the, and I, the referees obviously have to abide by that rule. Mm-hmm. Play has to stop. Um, and I think I did see David Goff actually telling the player to get up, but you know, you know, going by the rules, you, you probably shouldn't have. Um, but I thought they managed it very well. You know, that said, Arma. You know, they could have went on. I, I just felt that Armagh got into the lead and it goes back to that point where Armagh got into the lead and they probably thought, let's try and hold on here with the game being so tight. Mm-hmm. You can just keep the lead, keep the lead and nearly waiting for Derry to make a mistake so Armagh could, could get them on the turnover. Um, but just like I just felt that Armagh could have got up the field a lot more. Yeah. And, you know, once they had possession, if you got numbers up the field, then you can, you can work a shot. Um, and it just seemed like in that period Derry had the ball for far too long No definitely and now we can get to the good stuff which is the penalties um, whether you agree with them or not they are exciting and they're heart stopping uh, we talked about what a good game Ray O'Neill had he hit some serious pressure kicks he seems like he never misses them and then first man up for the penalty and I think statistically the team that takes the first penalty usually goes on to win it something like 60% of the time uh, the big man to take it the main one and then he missed it now like it was a fantastic save from Warren Lynch and he gets a lot of stick going but he, he was brilliant yesterday well he was he was definitely brilliant in the shootout anyway yeah. um, made some great saves because they weren't the worst Armagh penalties but uh, he just made himself big and you know he was jumping to he seemed to read them all well as because he, he wasn't just going to the one side he was going to different sides Reen's one over to his left and Aidan Nugent's one over to his right Um so he was very clever there. But, yeah, I suppose the shootout, just um, Rean O'Neill, like he, he'd, he'd slotted so much pre- so many pressure kicks mm-hmm. in the last few years that it was it was bound to, and even in, in yesterday, he yeah. kicked two or three of them. It's bound to, like, you're not going to score them all the time. And, uh, you have to be human sometimes, yeah. You have to be human sometimes. And in fairness, the Derry penalties were, were brilliant. I don't know if Conor Lass and Kieran McFall were aiming to go so high, but they caught it fairly fine, didn't they? Even McFall's last one, he was kind of jumping up, like, yeah. get down. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting you said that about Conor Glass because he said in an interview, I think it was the Irish News, um, that he changed his mind in the last minute. Like, the cardinal sin of taking a penalty, apparently, you know, uh, he said it, he sort of just noticed that Rafferty was going across himself, so he just changed it and was like, right, I'm going to go the other way then. I mean, it's like rule 101, Jamie. I mean, uh, do you have a, a routine that you would go through without giving too much away? Yeah, you would. Like Again, going back to the penalties, I, I wouldn't have... Um, I think a lot of the boys were taking a huge run-up, and it's given. I, I found it, it's given the keeper an advantage. I know David Goff was watching both keepers in the lane, that one foot was on the lane. Mm. But I think by the time they were, you know, in that 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 run up, the keeper was out a yard, so it was giving him a chance to read. It was a little bit more predictable. Um, like the penalties weren't bad. I didn't think the penalties were bad, um, but I did think Rian Rian's penalty against Galway last year was put into that corner, and I just feel like the keeper knew that he was going to do that, mm. and he had, he had done his homework on it. Because I know, I know you mentioned Conor Glass changed his mind, but he did say he did reference the fact that they were practicing them, um, yeah. and yeah, like it is a lottery to be honest at times. But like essentially, you want you want your best players hitting the penalties. Um, 
Look, it was it was the key. The key. Oren, Oren Lynch. He made he made brilliant saves. He particularly for from Aidan Nugent's penalty. I think it was his was right in the corner. Yeah, he got across quite well. So, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's an awful way to lose. But you know, if you win us, the drama and you know, the excitement and stuff that comes with penalty shootouts. It's um, you know, I I think I'd still prefer that than a replay. Yeah, yeah, a, re- a replay. There's a bit of like. I don't, it's just so unsatisfactory too, isn't it? Like, you know, you, both teams put in so much work and have this great game and then no one gets anything out of it. Like, but... Um, how many games now as well? Yeah. You know, yeah. And I know it'd be impossible to squeeze it in. Um, just on, on the penalty on the goalkeepers, like, was it advantage, Derry, the second it went to penalties, given that, obviously, Ethan Rafferty brings so much to the team and, and, and positives, but fact of the matter is... Orange is a goalkeeper, you know, and that's that's his trade. And uh, is that is an advantage Derry then when it went to penalties, given that he'd have more experience in, in that field? Well, based on yesterday, obviously, I think it is. Um, I think last year, I think our man maybe had Glenn Hughes ready to come on against Galway, and they couldn't get the sub on in time. Like he would be a, you know, a natural goal goalkeeper. Uh-huh. Um, you know. <laughs> It is an art, you know, it's like penalty taking, it is, it is, there's a reason you have penalty takers in teams and, you know, goalkeepers are, that's what, I suppose that's what they live for is those moments as, as a goalkeeper you want to be, there's no pressure on the goalkeeper. Now, we did pull off a great save, Ethan, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I just think, it, I don't, I wouldn't put it down to that, to be honest, I would okay. just, I would, I, I, going away from penalties, I just felt, when it went to penalties, I would... Would have, sorry, I would have said that Arma. It was Derry's when Arma when it went to penalties, but Arma could have won it in in extra time, and they should have won it. Yeah, do you think there was a bit of scar tissue there, Niall, in terms of the Galway game last year, the penalties, or did you see? Did you, how, how did you feel watching the game? Like, were you confident that they oh, could? I was never. The I was never really confident of anything yeah. the way the game was going. Um, I, yeah, probably did feel Derry when it just when it came to penalties, and Arma had that. As you said, that bit of scar tissue from last year that it might um, might affect our man. Sure, it it did in the end. Um, yeah, just just disappointing. But should, like it is, it's it's you know you have to. It, there has to be a winner on the day. And uh, yeah, Derry. In fairness, they they barely put a foot wrong. Paul Casty was the only one who missed. So um, yeah, they deserved it. He probably looked like somebody. You know, he, he didn't have the best game yesterday, but somebody who has that. Ability to be a penalty taker, I yeah, think, yeah. Um, but like Arma from the Galway shootout and the shootout, yeah. So that's two scored out of eight. You know, yeah. which, which isn't a great return. No, definitely not. Um, hopefully they, they'll get an opportunity to redeem themselves as long as it's you know not against Tyrone. I feel like I should qualify that. Uh, another thing about like I mean, penalties are not just these big games and and the when they're involved in these high-intensity games where it's super entertaining and, you know, you love watching them when they play like that and afterwards you're talking about how, how fantastic the game was and how they were unlucky. But are Arma in danger of becoming the nearly man, Jamie? Like, is that a, a threat that could that they could be that? I think it's just, you know, you don't want to let the, the, the noise from the outside get on top of you. Like, like, if you look at it, it depends how you look at it. If you look at it now, like, whatever happened going into yesterday, it seemed like there was so much pressure being put on Armagh to win this Ulster title. But essentially, you're into the, you know, they came within a penalty, a penalty shootout of becoming Ulster champions. Mm-hmm. So people might say, well, Armagh needs 
an Ulster. I know Michael Murphy references a lot of winning an Ulster to get to the next level and talk about winning all Ireland's. But if they're beating a penalty shootout, meant that they're able to compete. You know, the game could have went either way. Um, now you're in their group stages, Westmead. You know, you're you're back on the horse straight away, and you know, like there's there are obviously have there there are issues with um, the competition and. And how it's actually run at the minute, but that's that's a different story. But like essentially, Armagh are back; they're back in the mix, and you know, a win puts them right back, puts them back in, in control of, of what they want to do, mm-hmm. um, which it would be essentially playing the, you know, the latter the latter end of the championship. So they're a top they're a, they're a top team, and you know, I think given given the championship this year and teams that the unpredictability of it all. That there are six, seven teams that could really win the All Air, and I still think Armagh would see themselves as one that could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just how they regroup and you know perform over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, isn't that a bit mad though? That like we're talking about Armagh, they kind of have the chance now, and everyone will see them getting back up on the horse that they'll get through that group, and maybe Westmead will will go out. Yeah. Isn't it mad? And Kieran Whelan was saying this on the Sunday game after the match yesterday, that three teams are going through in, in those groups. Because like when you look at the groups, I'd say if you asked a group of 20 people to predict these four groups, they'd, nearly everyone would go for the same team that won't that will be at the bottom of the groups yeah. and won't get through. Yeah. And I just think for the next, that's going to be four weeks. The preliminary quarterfinals aren't on until June 24th. So it's the next four four weeks that them group stage games are taking place and it's just they're just going to be such lifeless soulless kind of games because no the teams that are expected to win like they're they're almost guaranteed to get through like like Dublin in a group yeah. and it's no disrespect to Sligo like but Dublin Roscommon Kildare and Sligo like Sligo are going to be miles up against it in that group the same with Westmead in Armagh's group I don't know. I don't know. What do you think of that um, set up, Jamie? Where it is, where it's three going through. I just think it'd be a whole lot better if it was um, two. just two going yeah, through. Two, like it's yeah. not that hard. It makes sense, but sure. You know yourself, the GA don't like doing things like that. Um, even with the provincials, right? It just feels like the, bar the Ulster one because there are so many teams that are competitive. It's nearly like it's it's edging out the provincial championships, but there it's nearly like if there's a fear of. Now, I know that the likes of the, the provincial councils are, you know, have a huge say, but like something has to be has to be done, you know, because like you're going into this this group stage now, you know, like it's like many times you essentially have to lose before, yeah, yeah, before, you know, before you're actually out, um, and there's just like you said, now there's so many meaningless games now that. You know, when does it does it get going again and when does the flow start? Yeah. You know, like the knockout, it's gonna be if if there was two teams going going out, then it would add a little bit of a spice to it. Where, you know, if it's Armagh thrown or uh, Galway thrown, like those games have to you, you know, they're gonna mean more, but if it's the fact that three teams are going through, you know, you kinda of feel for West Me, don't you? Mm-hmm. No, that's it, and like I I mean I can see. I guess what the, the way they're trying to think of it is, is that we're going to get football every single week, and it, you know, there should be competitive, at least two competitive games every single week, you know, at a really, really high level. But uh, it is the lack of consequence, isn't it? And, and teams are still going to do that. 
still experiment and still trying to peak, you know, that word that Darn always hated. Sure, like it's nearly less important than the league now. Like Kerry are playing, Kerry are playing Mayo and it's kind of, you've been hearing people building up to it as if this is going to be this huge game. Mm-hmm. But like it doesn't really matter. It no. doesn't really matter at all. Like Matter, yeah. No, that's it. And then like, I mean, narratives change so quickly. I know things are a bit doom and gloom in our in terms of like, how annoyed they were that, you know, that, that game got away from them. But if you look at Derry, do you remember after the league final, you know, they were being slaughtered after that league final and all oh, it's typical Derry, they can't push on, they may move on. But now it's a distant memory in such a short period of time. And this Ulster final could fall into a distant memory again because it's weeks before they'll have to play exactly. a super competitive game. You it just know? loses momentum. Yeah. The whole thing, like. The whole thing. So. It's, it's up and down. You know, you have crazy games that got Ulster final and now they're going to take a step down, essentially, from that. To try and yeah. lift it again later on, like it's it is just bizarre. But well, the other three provinces were it's kind of just a step. It's it's the level for them because it's, yeah, that's the way they were. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mayo behind the paywall as well, aren't they? What'd you say? Kerry and Mayo. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mayo. No, like so you don't even unless you're, you know, you have Diego. But for the older kind, of, I suppose the older um, supporter of the game, like you know the. the Probably just like, used to watching games on on RTE. Like it's <laughs> Kerry and Mayo's on in the championship, and you know if you told somebody that Kerry and Mayo are on the championship, and nobody's getting to see that unless you are tech savvy or you're, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. you're probably not going to bother now. Like when it's not oh. going to be yeah, knockout, is it worth it? You know? Yeah, like I mean, they'll they'll probably meet again later on, and that'll be the real game. But um, yeah, things might show their hand. You know, if they're already yeah. through, yeah. You know. The quarterfinals, in fairness, like they will be brilliant because it will be the eight best oh, well, teams. Like geez, that's the, the only thing. Is something else. <laughs> yeah, like, but we'll just it's we'll be waiting a long time for yeah. them and a lot of duds of games to get through first. But they will be good. But it's just a roundabout way of getting to it. No, so, yeah, uh, they they're definitely <laughs> mixing things up a little bit. Um, I thought something was interesting on the Sunday game. Jamie Paul Flynn said afterwards. He, well, he was asked him and Lee Keegan were asked uh, who they think best contenders for the All-Ireland were in, t- in terms of representing Ulster and um, neither or both of them actually said Tyrone rather than Armagh or Terry you know the two teams that were in the final uh, is that a bit does that annoy you is that a bit disrespectful to Armagh and Derry I just thought well, I just wouldn't agree with them uh, no. I think maybe they're they're basing that on previous years that Tyrone come back come through the back door and, and put a run together Um but this Armagh team's different. The Derry team's different. You know, Derry have proven sure they've won back-to-back Ulster. So I would say Derry probably, you know, edging as the best team in, in the province at the minute with Armagh behind. So, yeah, I can I can see the, the point they're trying to make. But, yeah, it's... I don't think it was anything controversial. I just think that they, they probably, you know, from their playing experience, would favour Tyrone's mm. playing style and ability to... You know to compete against teams like the Dubs and and the Mayo's. You know from from previous games gone by. Do you, do you think that's maybe a, a view from just those outside of Ulster and, and don't watch Ulster football all the time and experience it that it's your own suppose you know in the last two decades or maybe the marquee name you know because they're all Ireland's with the Kerry and stuff. And it's probably because they won that All Ireland. Um, you know that it's maybe kind of still hanging in there but mm. then you look at Monaghan beat Tyrone you know it's it's always going to be quite competitive and I think the National League shows always shows that the games are so close um, but at the minute as all Ireland contenders you would have to say that Derry are slightly ahead of, of both Armagh and Tyrone 
Yeah. Um, well, speaking of non-competitive games, uh, Dublin v Loud Nile. Um, you know, it's hard, it's hard to dissect a game. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we were really hopeful. I was really hopeful that Loud would, uh, were going to be able to be more competitive in the match. And I don't know, maybe 13 could have been an unlucky number for Dublin or something, just to mix up the Leinster Championship. But uh, they were frightening, really. <coughs> they were, Lee. Um Lowe's had a decent start and mm-hmm. Sam Mulroy got a brilliant point to start off but um, it was over really when Paul Mannion got that goal that was after 21 minutes and that was I suppose it was a crazy piece of play from, from Lowe for that goal in that um, Califf took the kick out and six or I'd say five five of their defenders ran out to the middle of the field and they all overloaded on this side of the field all running up after the ball and I stopped the screen um, I was watching this and stopped pressed pause on the screen and it was three Dublin forwards inside Conor Callaghan Paul Mannion and Cormac Oslo with one loud lad marking them and they're not bad either then boys so (laughs) the lads came in that loud won the ball Sharky won the ball and he was dispossessed and Kenny got it forward and do you know there was just way too much space inside. It was easy, easy peasy yeah. for Dublin, yeah. and that was it. Was surprising that Loud were uh, like that, for because it it happened a good bit that Dublin yeah. would win win the ball, and you know they could counter mm-hmm. and they could kick the ball forward. And Dublin are brilliant when they're a counter attacking team and when they have the bit of space for them boys to work to and. We've been giving out about them earlier for not getting the ball into Con. Yeah, they were kicking it more. They were kicking it more into him, but Loud played into their hands that way and that they were crowding the middle and giving mm-hmm. them space inside and um, just would have expected Loud to be a little bit, you know, savvier, especially under Mickey Hart. Yeah. And But Dublin, in fairness to them, they were brilliant. They set up brilliantly under the over the loud, under the loud kickouts. They won nine out of... Loud only won nine out of 25 at their own kickouts. Um and you know Dublin broke and destroyed them, but Loud definitely played a part. Yeah, I mean Jimmy, were you surprised by how Loud set up? Uh, what, what what do you think they were trying to do there? Like, did, did Mickey Hart see some sort of weakness that he thought he could exploit with Dublin, or he thought that on a final you have to take it to the team? Yeah, I think a lot. To be honest, I think a lot of county teams, particularly, you could even see like referencing Derry and Armagh, you're referencing Loud, and you know I think teams are just even a victim of the process in that they feel that they have to play a certain way. And I always feel like that's why Dublin's and the Kerry's are always the top teams because they let other teams react to them. And I think Dublin Dublin can see that and the players on the pitch are able to see things happening. And they make, you know, and that's leadership where they make a decision where they see situations where like, you know, they're 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 trying to crowd out the middle and, you know, they they made a decision to keep the three in. So I think it's it's things like that, but like I'm I mean, I'm surprised that Loud did play play so open. Um, but again, it goes it goes back. Did anyone ever really think that Loud were going to threaten or get within you know I don't know six seven points? Like that would have been even even that even even ten points. I would have said yes. Yeah, so it would have been a big thing for Loud to get. What you know within Dublin it's. Yeah, I just think the, the the defensive thing won't go away now because Donegal have proven that it works. You know, maybe with lesser quality players, 
that teams are able to adapt and stay in the game longer. But like when you play the dubs who are just so well, yeah, they're just a machine. And um, I know I mentioned on the last pod that, you know, obviously they have only played, they haven't haven't played a Division 1 team, but, you know, I don't think anybody's going to want, going to want to face Dublin. It's an interesting point in the whole divisions because, uh, yeah, they haven't played a Division 1 team the whole Leinster Championship. They obviously didn't do it in the league because they were in Division 2. And now with the group that they're going to be in, they're going to be against Kildare again. Uh, Slego, as as, uh, Niall already mentioned, and then Roscommon will be the first Division 1 team. And if you're just going by rankings, you know, really, that's they're maybe the third best team in Connacht, you know. I mean, so... Will that catch them out in the end? Is that an advantage because they can go through the the gears that, for that little bit longer and and peak or whatever you want to call it? Or will they be a, a real threat of being caught cold when they come up against quality opposition? No, I, I definitely I think the games will definitely be a lot tighter, you know, in the latter stages with with uh, you know your likes of your goals, your carries, your you know your males, and like essentially you have Sligo. You've killed there. You know you'd like to think they're going to get through that group, um, and you know if you, you get to the quarter, if Dublin, if a Dublin team are in the, the All Ireland quarter final, you know they know how to play them games. The vast majority of those players have been involved in, in all of those games. You know, and so based on the last couple of years, haven't lost. They will have the, the chip on the shoulder again, um, and there just seems to be a resurgence from you know you've Mannion back, you've obviously McCaffrey back in. Mm-hmm. You know that there's there's kind of a resurgence and a you know a desire to go at it again. So I, I actually think their timing's quite good as well on it. Um, they obviously are aware of the system, and you know they didn't pick too early. Um, their their objective was to get back into Division One, and you know they're just they're just coming quietly again. Um, yeah, like. Dublin All Ireland quarter final. You can see them that they're they're going to be there already, and yeah. you, know, you can't write them off. No, absolutely not. Um, and we mentioned all those names that are coming back: your Mannions, McCaffrey's, Stephen Cluxon, even. No one saw that coming. But um, uh, man of the match was Bulger. He was fantastic, actually. And Paul Galvin actually tweeted that he thinks now is his time to become a real mainstay in that team and step up because he sort of struggled to break through initially. Now you know, and, and really become one of the main leaders in the team, but he, he'd be vital for the sort of uh, redevelopment of this Dublin team. Yeah, Sean Bugler, he yeah. was he was, um, he was was brilliant yesterday in fairness and he was brilliant the last day um, too. He's an unbelievable engine and yeah, just I suppose a textbook half forward really in that he has the engine and he's able to kick points and he's a brilliant worker and he, so many times yesterday he got back and made tackles and his no... Um, no problems doing the donkey work. Uh, I know you were saying there that Dublin haven't played a Division 1 team, but Shadari are as close as you'll get to a Division yeah, 1 team. True. And, you know, they've played them twice, so I'd have no worries about Dublin um, that way. Uh, I think they'll be... I think they're really humming. And yesterday was... There was lots of signs that they are kind of... They're, people were giving out about them earlier that they were being a little bit, you know, rigid and sticking to the process and everything yeah. being so... Um, safe in their play but yesterday you know Stephen Cluxton hit most of his kickouts went long and when they were winning the ball they were kicking it in Brian Howard was kicking it in they were getting Davy Byrne was kicking the ball in 
they were being fairly adventurous. I think Kieran Kenny was one of the few lads who hasn't kind of started kicking the ball in, but all <laughs> the majority of other lads, Fenton is always kicking the ball in, Lee Gannon. Yeah. So Dublin are they're they've kind of changed their style and they they seem to be there seems to be a bit more kind of enjoyment I'd say yeah. in the players that they're playing this more adventurous style and uh, they're playing definitely playing better. No, they're definitely trying to uh, turn the screw a little bit more. But it was interesting that Kieran Kilkenny point. Um, uh, he had an option. I think it was to pass it to Dean Rock uh, for for the goal opportunity, but sort of went for a short fist pass instead. And then Dean Rock fisted it over himself, but he was like visibly fuming about the situation. You know, and um, the fisted points is it's always going to be a, a cause of controversy. But I suppose at that time, you know what, the game was gone. I've seen done. about ten or eleven of them yesterday. I think. Yeah. Oh, in total, I was getting sick of watching them. I know. I know. Um, Should ban them. They should ban them, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to go for goal. Uh, in terms of just the, the, those players that are coming back, like Jimmy, do you think there's one in particular that uh, makes a real difference and, and makes them look like the Dublin of old, not just because of the name on the team sheet, but uh, of what they bring to the team? Um, yeah, like, I suppose you would have to say, like with Mannion, I would still have to say McCaffrey's threat. And, you know, he just plays with such a, a carefree attitude that he just goes, he just he just plays the game, you know, his pace, breaking lines. I think in the modern game, that's the key. Like even for, for Bulger's goal, just that pace and power, it's just so so hard to stop. Mm-hmm. And a few players that, the more players you have that are, have the ability to do that, you know, I think the better chance you have, you know, of winning. And I think with Jack McCaffrey as well, even from a halfback position, his second option is his goal for the point. Like he'll always be thinking goal, and you know that attitude even throughout the Dublin team is goal. And if if the goal's not on, then you take a point. And you know that again, like you said, that adventurous style of play is another example of that Dublin playing playing to their own strengths and playing the way they want to play, rather than you know if Dublin aren't going to adapt to Derry, now they'll watch them and they'll you know they'll try and obviously get into a system that you know that that will prevent their their attacking threat but they'll still they'll still try and play their own game and impose their own game on on teams like like that and yeah just not fall into the the trap that is i suppose the defensive process that you know if you don't get right then it can cost you in the end no absolutely um just even on McCaffrey, like an, a breaking lanes, and, it, and he's very adventurous, obviously. But then a, a key part of that is is his pace, and he, he seems to be frightened uh, just just how fast he is, and and the fact that he doesn't seem to have lost any of it either, uh, even being absent from the game for a while. Is there any players in the Cross McLean team or the Armagh team that have that ridiculous frightening pace where it comes to the training drills and stuff that they're just smoking everybody for ease, and you're dreading being paired with them? Um. I suppose it's not. I wouldn't even say it's. It is that. Like I would look at the likes of of Stephen Campbell yesterday, for example. It's it's that power over a fifteen yard period where you're breaking that lane. You have the ability to break the lane and get the shot off at the same time. Um, you know, obviously, if if you're with Jack McCaffrey out on, you know, your one on one, you're in trouble. Um, but. Uh, Again, I think it's the way Dublin's set up that allows it allows players to run run like that. And again, it's 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 hard running. It's um, yeah, it's 
I think it's again in the modern game if you, if you don't have three or four players that have the ability to do that then um, you know I don't think you're going to be able to compete at the top level No absolutely um, so we'll just do a quick round up of the Talchian Cup uh, some some major sort of shocks but I think a lot of it's just sort of expected now uh, Kevin beat Leash uh, no real surprises there Down beat Waterford sort of comfortably it's good to see Down they didn't get too um, bottled down with the disappointment against um, Armagh and Ulster. Uh, Meath back to Moninways, beating Tipperary. Your Tipperary team, unfortunately, uh, did you get seeing it at all or just uh, No, I was at wedding Saturday evening, but Tipperary, they're just going downhill the last few years. They've lost a few lads, um, one or two to hurlers, and the likes of Connor Bow was playing football two years ago. He's gone with the hurlers now. Bill Maher gone to America. Mm-hmm. Um a few injuries and Mike Quinlevin's not playing he's the key man in tip football so it's you could kind of predict it and I wouldn't I wouldn't say me they're back or anything by beating Tipperary I just think Tipper they're definitely struggling at the minute and uh, yeah like the, in the tal- I suppose the other the other result Wexford got a huge result now they mm-hmm. wouldn't have been up in Brewster Park as well that was a huge result for them and do you know, they kicked some brilliant scores the goalkeeper showed like you talk about Reno Neal nailing the freeze Dara Brooks was virtually the last kick of the game to level it up and he nailed it for Wexford a brilliant one from the from the 45 and Cahill Walsh kicked it uh, an absolute stunner off the right foot um, off the outside of the boot do you know when they were under pressure so they, they clawed their way back into that and that's a huge result for them and um, Carlo against Wicklow Shane McConnell yeah. will be disappointed there because Carlo kicked the last five points of the game to win that so that was huge yeah. huge for them away from home as well so people wouldn't have expected that especially just with the promotion that Wicklow got and all and I kind of want to ask you about uh, Ashley McConville in management obviously that was a disappointing result but he seems to be doing a good job overall in his first season um, he managed you across McLean what's what was he like as a manager you know you knew him as a player there must have been a, a change in dynamic with him when, when he took that role. Yeah, we had uh, it was it was, was obviously was in with John Mack, John McIntyre, and we got to we actually got Castle Barbie just by a point in mm-hmm. that all there in semi. But uh, yeah, like it's interesting coming I suppose from a, from from my point of view as some Ashim was always somebody that I would have looked up to, um, so I always had that respect. So it didn't really matter what what he was saying but um you'd be surprised with his tactical you know analysis on the game i think the more he he, he you know he's in that managerial role and and the process the better he'll get at it um because i can imagine it's not easy to go to somewhere you know like wicklow and take on a team and you can see the progress they've even made but you know it wasn't a great result for him at the weekend um but yeah, with Ashina, he'd be quite motivational in terms of what he says, and um, you know, like you'll always have you'll always have a nugget, mm. and you'll always tell a good story that you can relate to of of some capacity, you know. Yeah, that that is interesting because he does seem to have like a sort of a quiet, relaxed demeanor. You know, he's on a lot of like shows. He you know he worked for RT in the Sunday game and everything. So you say he's motivational. He knows how to like sort of he, raise he, the temperature. Well, this is that he knows how to raise the temperature, and if he's if he's thinking, obviously you play to a system. But if he he would have the attitude, if you can't get into the game, go and get into the game. You know, yeah, like like take responsibility for it. So he would, you know, he wouldn't be so structured in his in his approach. Yeah. Um, but you know, he 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 wants you to play ball. He wants you to go and to go and get involved. So, 
Um, yeah, he, he'd probably provide a platform for the players and the Wicklow players to go and, you know, excel and, you know, try to play with the shackles off. Yeah, and whether it's on purpose or not, you always seem to be following in his footsteps. He was the main forward for Cross McLean, you became the main forward. He's a podcast star, you're now a podcast star. So does that mean uh, you're going to go into coaching at some stage as well? I'm a wild from that, I think. Um, <laughs> despite my age, I'm still, still, still battering away. Um, yeah, no, look, I'm, uh, I have to head down. I'm still enjoying playing. I don't don't feel like finishing anytime soon. Um, you know, the coaching something that, yeah, the, you know, I, I'm, I'm into it. Like I would be, I suppose, keeping an eye on it, how managers manage and taking all the, you know, I suppose, the traits and, you know, I suppose the learning from them tactically and yeah. from a leadership point of view. And yeah, just just writing things down and, and keeping it all for for maybe one day that that I would take the leap. Well, there you go. Uh, maybe maybe one day that'll be an exclusive for us. Uh, lastly, it was uh, Antrim beat Leitrim, so Andy Moran struggling to get back from that defeat against uh, New York. Awfully beat London, and then you have to do a special mention now. Uh, Kildare under twenties winning the All Ireland final. Yeah, they had a great win. Um, I suppose it was a novel final pair in Kildare and mm-hmm. Sligo. Um, Sligo. They were kind of coming into it under a bit of pressure. They lost their captain, Canis Mulligan. Um, he had a bad shoulder injury in the semi-final, so a huge loss for them. And Dylan Walsh, had he got meningitis not long after kicking or fisting the winning point mm-hmm. in the Connacht final. And he was unbelievable when he came on that day. They, again, had a few injuries on the day. So it was um, tough for Sligo in, in that way that, you know, the injuries came at, at difficult times, but yeah. they had a great year and it was their first under-21 final to make in in ages. And Kildare, you know, they, they were the favourites and they did, they, Sligo fought back and came back into the game and looked like they might um, get them, you know, catch them out. But um, Kildare were probably, probably the, they were definitely the better team on the day anyway. They had lots of talented players and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that's their second All Ireland under twenty under twenty they won an under twenty one back with when Davy Burke was there as well so and they were in the final last year lost to Tyrone so mm-hmm. Kildare are, um, they have the young lads coming anyway yeah, yeah maybe maybe there's hope for the Leinster Championship yet um, that's all we have time for in terms of football thanks so much to Jimmy Clark for coming on to the show and we'll be back shortly with some hurling with Niall. Welcome back. We're going to do a quick roundup of the hurling with Niall McIntyre. And Niall, there's really only one game to start with, and that's Clare Waterford. Yeah, well, it wasn't a good game, unfortunately. It was uh, very disappointing. Waterford just didn't show up. And I suppose, like everyone was probably, we were expecting that they'd lift it after the Cork game when they were hammered. And, you know, their necks were on the line here and you're thinking this is this is it for Waterford. Um but it was it was more the same again. It was actually probably the worst, uh the worst they've been all year and the worst you'd see in a long time. Uh only scored sixteen points. Do you know, they didn't score a goal in the whole Munster Championship. Um they've lost their last six Munster Championship games, only won two of their last twenty Munster Championship games. So do you know as uh, we're always talking about the magic of the Munster Championship, but uh, Waterford are definitely they're letting it down the the last the last while anyway. Yeah, and then I suppose naturally all eyes go to the manager, and then the eyes are always on Davy Fitz anyway. At the yeah, best of times. Yeah, well, I suppose a lot of people it was kind of half and half. Um, 
a lot of people blaming the tactics and others blaming the players and I'd say it's a mix between the two they have to take responsibility um, maybe it was it might have been more common um, people blaming Davy Fitz but as Jackie Turrell pointed out in the Sunday game um, like you know it can't be it can't be Davy Fitz's fault it can't be everyone's fault it can't be Davy Fitz Liam Cahill Park Fanning mm-hmm. you know um, so it it is a mix of the two saying that the, the tactics were um, for the first Clare goal it was especially noticeable how just strange the, the Waterford tactics were and it reminded me of what we were talking about earlier with the loud footballers how it, players were just chasing after the ball and leaving space inside so Waterford got the puck out away won it but then Clare won the ball back and Waterford only have two men inside two on two and it's a goal so um, just really really bizarre stuff Waterford seemed to be kind of clogging the middle and running after their men and just leaving loads of space in behind for the likes of Tony Kelly to run into Ian Galvin to run into all the Clare forwards to kind of run rioting and Shane O'Donnell was brilliant but second year in a row that Clare have just hammered Waterford and beaten them easy so it's just extremely disappointing for Waterford because if Waterford had won it would have really added to the Monster Championship and the whole thing would be split wide open really mm-hmm. um, but Waterford just weren't able for it and you know Clare were good but they didn't have to be brilliant Yeah and I, I do have to ask about the weird buy things that they were doing in the Yeah there was a lot made of, like I, I it's just like what is it I don't, <laughs> I, I don't have a clue really to be honest I thought it was a weird hurling thing maybe uh, Yeah I don't know it was it looked like they were meditating or doing some sort of yoga <laughs> namaste towards the, I don't know Well they were very relaxed so it maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, look, if they won, uh, nobody would really be saying that. Oh, everyone would be doing it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know what everyone would be doing it, but you wouldn't be blaming it, but it's just, uh, I don't know what what it was. But, uh, yeah, they they bowed down there before the game and they bowed down during the game as well. <laughs> that was nicely put, well done. <laughs> um, I suppose uh, not as surprising as Carlo uh, give Offley a bit of a clipping. Well, yeah, like Offaly are already through to the Joe McDonough Cup, mm. Joe McDonough Cup final, so they rested, they made 12 changes to their team, and I suppose that was, um, you know, you wouldn't blame them for that, they were top of the table, they were already through, uh, the leash manager, Willie Maher, who's a Tipperary man, he was giving out about uh, Offaly for making all these changes, and, you know, that obviously would have helped Carlo, but why would, why would Offaly... Why would Offaly not make a few changes? The final's coming up in two weeks. They don't want to give Carlo their full hand. They have earned the right. They're top of the table. They've qualified. So you can't blame them. Um, Willie Mark was given out, but I suppose you, you can only blame yourselves. You, you lost to Offaly in the first round. You didn't beat Carlo. They drew with Carlo in, I think it was the third round. So um, that's their own problem, really. It's not Offaly's problem. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, Jake, the, we'll see a bit of that with the groups of four and then we're going back to football sorry but yeah you'll see loads of it and yeah. that's why did these like that was that was an enforced dead rubber we'll say because yeah. but the football are just making it making dead rubbers voluntarily making dead rubbers so that's uh, another kettle of fish yeah and then lastly Kildare relegated yeah so terrible year for Kildare after winning the Christie ring last year they'd have been hoping that do you know there's something on here? Um, Nace went well in won the gave Ballyhale a game in the Leinster Club Championship, but just went to after getting to the league final in Division Two, 
just Everton went to pot for Kildare. I don't know what happened with them. Um, some disastrous performances, none more so than losing to Down, who had struggled in that competition um, the whole way through. And Kildare beat my seven or eight points, so just disastrous um, for them. So, yeah, the Joe McDonough Cup final, that's in two weeks. Offaly and Carroll, that'll be a good game because having started slowly, Carlo. They've ramped it up and Chris Nolan's on form, Marty Cavan is on form and these boys be dangerous. Offaly have played well too. Um, but as Johnny Kelly said, it be, might be tough enough to bounce back mm-hmm. from that one. And sure, looking ahead to this weekend, some two huge Munster Championship games, Tipperary against Limerick and uh, Clare against Cork. So, uh, you know, they'll be huge and Waterford aren't there. So th- these will be tight games. And do you know they'll decide who's who's going through and who's not? So uh, really looking forward to them now next week, and there'll be more hurling talk next week. Oh, good! I can't wait. <laughs> I know we always make a joke of this. I, I do enjoy listening to you talk about the hurling, and I'm sure everyone else will enjoy the interview that you've got coming up next with Emma Duggan. Hello, everyone. I'm delighted to be joined today by Mead Ladies footballer Emma Duggan, following the recent announcement of Optimum Nutrition as the new official performance nutrition pa- partner of the GPA. Emma, how's things? All good. How are you? Not too bad now. Um, I presume you were doing exams there in DCU up until recently. So, um, well, we, we, uh, did you have a few late nights or did you, were you on top of all that? Um, a few late nights, yeah. Um, I finished up there on, on Friday, so I was doing them for for about ten days or so. So it it can be a bit intense for, for the week, but um, I suppose I'm just gone and finished now. I can relax a little bit more. Um, but I'd like to think I was on top of it, but you know yourself, a little bit of cram coming up to them. No all nighters in the in the library or yet the studious type. Ah uh, no, no, no all nighters now. Sleep sleep is, is important to me now. So um I know I had, had a good chunk of the work done, but coming up to them you 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 know, you always feel like you can do a little bit more, but um I know a, a few late nights, but no all nighters the most important thing. Okay, okay. And I hope you got a few celebrations in after getting all the after getting it all done. Um training session, that was about it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well I suppose look, uh that's the life of a of a of a of an athlete. Um, you're I suppose it signifies really the when college finishes, it's the start of the summer. So um, and you know championship kicking off. So um, a bit of excitement in the air. Yeah, absolutely. Really look forward to. I think this is what you kind of train for all that all the preseason, all the the rot running really. Um, is is for you know championship football. And it's 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 lovely that that the weather is picking up. Um, really get kind of gets you excited and um, you know you can kind of feel the buzz around the camp and stuff like that so everyone's really looking forward to championship um, and hopefully we can kind of you know make our mark on it again yeah there's more of a buzz around training at this time of the year and maybe less people dropping out with with injuries to, to miss the runs and that kind of thing yeah and um, you could say that again all right Um, I know like yeah I suppose it's 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 much nicer being able to go up to training now when you're kind of going into a championship game or you know the weather's a lot nicer and you know you're kind of going to train it's bright out and, and stuff like that it always makes it easier but um yeah everyone's really looking forward to it and um, everyone's really excited I suppose this is this is kind of why you play football that that championship was um it's great to have it back again this year so yeah uh, you had a few niggles kind of during the league and missed a bit with the college as well um and now I'm not saying that was anything to do with uh the the bad weather or you were dodging the dodging the running or anything but uh, how's the how's the body now and what sort of injuries had you 
yeah, um, it's, it's my body's thankfully kind of co- cooperating with me now. Um, yeah, I picked up a quad injury in December um, and it took the best part of four months really to get it right. Um, a few, you know, a few setbacks here and there. I kind of thought I was okay a couple of times and kind of suffered another setback. And, you know, it was, it was obviously very frustrating, especially, you know, I missed the whole of the league and especially when the girls were the team weren't doing too well, you're kind of just mad eager to get in there and, and try give, you know, throw your hand at something and, and try to help them out at all. So it was obviously frustrating not to be able to do that. But, um, I suppose the most important thing is I'm kind of back now. Um, for coming into the start of summer, so um, hopefully I can I can stay injury free and, and stay on the pitch for a bit longer than I did this year. Um, you missed. Have you another year with the college as well to play O'Connor Cup? Yeah, I've one more year of college. So um, yeah, I think you know. Although I missed the league, I think one of the most disappointing things was missing the O'Connor Cup. There, the girls, you know, you don't get too many chances at that. Um, I thought I might have been able to get back for it, but um, it just didn't work out that way. Um, so that was obviously very, very disappointing. Um, you know, it's something that you always look forward to the O'Connor Cup with the girls, but um, it definitely made it easier that 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 they'd won it. Um, it was it was it was brilliant, and um, it was obviously great to be a part of that. Even you kind of had an average enough league with with Mead. Um, is that because you were missing? <laughs> no, definitely not. There was there was. A few other things in there. Um, I'm not sure I would have made too much of a difference, but um, I know I think I suppose the league was was a bit experimental for us. Um, we're now we're not using any excuses. We weren't good enough. Um, we didn't get the results. We didn't get the performances that we would have wanted. But um, look, we we gave a lot of girls new girls game time. Um, you know, which is it's great to be able to you know get them used to that on a level as well. So. There's a lot of positive aspects we can take from it, but in terms of our performances, we know we need to lift them, you know, about three years, three notches. So, um, you know, it's 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 great to be able to prepare for that again. But yeah, look, the league didn't go well for us, but we're not going to dwell on that too much. I suppose championships coming around, we've bigger fish to fry now, and that's that's all we're looking towards now. Yeah, it was always going to be tough enough um, with, I suppose, the changes at the end of last year and new management team and a few injuries and a few um gone away so do you feel as if um you know things are kind of coming together now um at the right time yeah i think so um i i hope so anyway and uh, it's great to have a lot of the girls back obviously um you know vicky and orla are back in now as well um which is great and um, we definitely had a few injuries during the league as well so you know everyone's staying fit now this um at the moment touch wood it, it stays that way but um yeah no it's it's, it's starting to look up um you know we've we've gotten a bit We've got a good few weeks of training under our belt as well. Um, so, yeah, look, we feel we're, we're well prepared going into championship now. So, you know, we, we don't really have any excuses. It's just about making our mark on the pitch and, and, and you know, showing that we can redeem ourselves, I suppose, from a poor league. Um, I know he's gone now, but Eamon Murray was kind of always a figure that um, fascinated me a small bit in that he, he was very honest and kind of, um he wouldn't hold back i'd say was was that um did you enjoy that kind of style of management where a manager would kind of say how he feels and doesn't kind of doesn't shy away from anything yeah um i think everyone knows Eamon didn't really have a filter so um i know it's great Eamon was a very different character um you know i think you you wouldn't really understand him unless you, you kind of worked with him and um, you know a lot of people probably got the wrong opinion of him but um, I can tell you for free that he was probably one of the most genuine people um, I know. 
Um, and it was it was it was great to have him on board. And um, he was a different character. He brought a lot of sense of humor, a lot of personality. Um, and um, obviously we've Davy coming in, who's you know quite similar in a lot of ways and and quite different in other ways. So um, it's 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 a, it's a breath of fresh air. Um, so um, I know it's it's been great so far. Yeah. Um. The last uh, ladies footballer I was talking to was uh, Amy Mackin, and I was asking her about um, her going to the AFLW, and she told me point blank that uh, she gave me the stock answer and said that she's focused on Armagh. And then um, two days later, I see it that she's um, going to North Melbourne, and the, the papers are signed. So, are you going to say the same to me, or what is your uh, your plan? <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's 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 no fear of me, you know, to say you know signing a contract now in two days. But um, I know. Look, I think you know I've I've kind of said it before in this in this moment of time. I'm, I'm obviously still quite young. I'm still in college, and that's that's obviously a big priority in my life at the minute. Um, and I'm quite happy playing for playing for me as well. Um, I think it's obviously um a good time that we're in at the minute. And I think you kind of just need to embrace it and enjoy it. And um, I. Don't think I could really jet off to the other side of the world um at this at this moment of time. But look, it's it's not a no forever. Um it's just I haven't really thought too much about it now. And um, until the right time comes, I probably won't. Um I'm just enjoying where I'm at now at the minute. Yeah, well so when you have another year in college, that's obviously um probably takes um pre pre What what course are you actually studying in college? Uh, I'm doing accounting and finance in BCU, yeah. Okay. Okay, so you're good with the numbers. Um I suppose like is it a lot a lot of the girls like you know is is have gone and it seems like an easy transition to make um like is the is the professional lifestyle um in the that's in the ladies football is that something um from a ladies football perspective that has you know is 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 as professional as it could be like do you enjoy that kind of a high performance setup that's in the mead camp for example yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we are very lucky. We have so many, you know, facilities around us in terms of, you know, you have a nutritionist, you have a sports psychologist, you have an S&C coach, you have, you know, whatever it is. Like, it, it is a high-performance environment that we're in um, and we're really, really lucky to have it. Of course, it's intense, but um, I think the way the game is going, um, if you want to win All-Irelands, if you want to win, you know, these big medals, you have to be a high-performance group. Um, and that's something we've kind of, brought into our lifestyle um in the last few years um is you kind of eat sleep breathe football and um, everything you kind of do in terms of your sleep in terms of what you're eating in terms of you know what you're doing with your day and um, you're always kind of thinking football in the back of your head and it can be intense for obviously six months or however long the season goes on for a but um if you, you know we've been lucky that we've kind of reaped the rewards of it in the end um but yeah i know it's, it's it's great and you know vicky and you know or lally would say that Obviously, going over to Australia, it's it's not too different. Like you're giving up the exact same time, really, as you would um back home. It's probably just they, you know, they might have a couple of extra physios here, or a couple of extra doctors, or whatever it is. Um, but it's it's really not too different. You know, you're kind of getting a, a great side of professionalism over here as well. So, yeah, like on that, um, like when you're practicing, say. Would shooting practice like you're you're one of the best shooters in the game? Like was shooting practice something that you would um do a lot yourself, whether it's going out to the field with a bag of balls, um in between trainings, or or do you do you get time in in do you get enough time for for that when you are training so much? 
Yeah, I think coming up somewhere now as well, especially when you have more time, I, I I like to get up to the pitch myself in my own time once or twice a week. Um, and then obviously, you know, as a group, we like to try to get out before training and do, you know, 15, 20 minutes of, of shooting as well. So, you know, you do kind of have to make time for it. Unfortunately, when you're in training, you know, when you're doing the session, you're not going to be doing, you know, as basic drills as as, as shooting. Like it's, it's all going to be pressurized stuff or, you know, you know, attack and defense and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's something you do have to do in your own time. Um, you know, basic skills like that. So, um, it's 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 something that um I love doing. I love going up to the pitch and kind of looking to improve, especially you know when you're not shooting too well. You like to get up and, and kick a few footballs, get the confidence going again. And like I said, I I love going into games knowing that you know I've done a bit of kicking the week before, and you just I suppose it gives you a little bit more confidence going in that you know you've prepared the best way you can. I was watching um, an interview with you before and you said you were quite superstitious and that was one of them that you try and get to the field um, the day before a game. Is that still something that you do? Yeah, um, I'll kind of try and leave a lot of superstitions behind me. I've kind of tried to get over that, but that's not that's not one that I'll ever kind of leave behind me. It's, it's just something I love to do, just sharpen up a little bit the day before a game. I don't do anything too hectic in terms of, you know, injuring myself the day before a game, but literally just 20 minutes getting up to the pitch, kicking a few footballs um, from, from different positions and um, just gives me a, a little bit of confidence going into the game as well. Um, so, yeah, no, that, that superstition isn't, isn't going away anytime soon. And I, unless I get it, when I get a bit older, maybe and the body can't do two days in a row, but for now, um, it's definitely something I do. So just maybe the steak and chip superstition, is that the one that could be going away? <laughs> I know, <laughs> that's still there as well. Um, there's a lot of them that's still there. It's it's a bit of a transition getting rid of them. It's just one by one. But um, I know, like I suppose, food wise, I don't know if that's much of a superstition. I think, um, I think a lot. Uh, I know a lot of people on our team kind of eat the same thing day four games. Just whatever works for you, whatever settles going in your stomach the best way. And so that's not something that I'm gonna get rid of either. So that's two cemented ones. Yeah, I wouldn't blame you. Uh, hard to beat a good steak dinner. Um, I wanted to ask you about um your dad, like Liam. Um, he obviously played for Port Leash and won a good few county titles. Um, would he have been like a big influence and obviously still a big influence in, in your in your football career? Maybe hitting the balls out to you when you're when you're shooting. Yeah, he was he was ball man, all right. Um, he's he's good for something anyway. Um, I know he's been he's been brilliant. You know, I suppose since I was younger, he's always been a massive influence um on my life and on my sport and career and stuff like that. Um, you know, he's always been a big motivator. Um, you know, he's he can be your toughest critic, but he'd be the first to give you a compliment as well. And um, but I know it's great to have him there for for a bit of advice and stuff like that. Although you know, times have changed in terms of you know, there's a lot of tactics going on that. You know, he obviously wouldn't, you know, be in with the squad and I quite understand. So it can be a bit frustrating when he's saying things and it's like, that's not actually what we're doing, Dad. But um, I know it's it's great to have him. He, he obviously un- understands the game better than most people I know. So um, it's it's great to have him there for, for a bit of advice here and there. So Brilliant stuff. Um, listen, that's brilliant. Thanks a million for that, Emma. Um, and very best luck for the year. Thanks to Optimum Nutrition as well. And uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, Emma. Thanks, Melian.